now, I am going to ask you to indulge me today because I am discouraged. I'm angry and I'm wounded by what I see happening in our fellowship. Now, some of you look at me like, what's going on? And I get that. Normally, I am incredibly good at holding things in and just moving on, just moving on. Today is not one of those days. Sometimes as a pastor, and I had a whole message here ready to preach, and we might not get to it. Sometimes as a pastor, you have to help our congregation know the dangers that are before us, the forces of darkness that want to destroy the things that God has made. Bethel Gary is unique and unlike our other three campuses. We are unique in the sense that God has brought together people from every nation, every language, every culture, every ethnicity, and background in one place to worship him. And Satan wants to destroy that. The enemy wants to undercut, sidetrack, and distract the people of God. Why? Because this campus has a mission that's bigger than everybody in here. And, and you know, it's apropos that today would have been the 88th birthday of Martin Luther King Jr. And I'm hurting because people of all ethnic backgrounds are missing what Dr. King was all about. Us black people think we get it. But we may be missing the point. My white brothers and sisters, we think we understand it. But we may be missing the point. Dr. King prayed, 
spoke, lived, and died for the day when people would be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And it seems like all we care about is the color of our skin. Seems like that's what's important when it's really not the point. I was praying this morning and I said, Lord, what killed Martin Luther King? An obvious answer is the assassin's bullet that tore through his neck in 1968 on April 4th at the Lorraine Motel. That's the obvious answer, but that is not what killed him. What killed Dr. King is that people who missed the core of his message. A message that was not just about revealing racism. Because racism, like any other sin, if all you do is point out its existence, you have not moved the needle. But what killed Dr. King and threatens the unity of the body of Christ in this day and age is that we miss that this whole movement that Dr. King led was based on a very simple gospel narrative. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do good to them that do evil to you. Love one another in the same way, Jesus said, as I have loved you. By this will all men know that you are my disciples. I'm not discouraged because... Sin exists in the world. I'm not that naive. I'm not discouraged because people on the outside of the church are wrestling with understanding that the answer to what ails our world is Christ. My discouragement is on this level today. That the people of God are having a hard time with the gospel. That the people of God, the kingdom of Christ. Today I was supposed to talk about creating this kingdom culture in our home. And and, and I'm going to get to that. 
probably next Sunday. But today, it, it dawned on me that we could not talk about creating a kingdom culture in our home until we first have a kingdom culture in our heart. So, how do we know that we struggle with a kingdom culture in our heart? One of the ways that that struggle is evident is that we don't concentrate on building relationships from a sacrificial perspective. See, I want to be in relationship with you, but only unless I don't have to sacrifice, as long as I don't have to sacrifice. As long as I can hold on to my self selfish pursuits, selfish ideals, selfish thoughts, and make you see me. then we can be in relationship. But that's not Christ. That's not the kind of love that Jesus spoke of and that Dr. King died for and many others gave their lives, white and black and brown, in the pursuit of righteousness. So what is the problem in the body of Christ? Why can't we get it? Why do we let the enemy try to destroy what God has made? Some of you are here today, maybe for the first time at Bethel Gary. Maybe this is your second trip. And, 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 I, and I'm not trying to offend you, but yes, I am that makes sense in some way because because i i i think that if a church is going to be real we need to be real about what the bible says and there are times when i have to tell us that we are a long way away two and a half years bethel gary it's growing up time now Some of you parents know that your expectation with your children raises or becomes greater the older your children become. If you have a 17-year-old at home and you're still cleaning up their room, something's wrong somewhere. I'm just being honest with you. I love you. I'm just being honest. But here, here, We have to discuss what our real issue is. See, the real issue is not what somebody has done to us. The real issue is not just maybe my blindness over what your life has been like. That's not the real issue. The real issue is that sin 
seeks to destroy everything that God has made. And that starts in our hearts. We have a heart problem. We have a heart condition. And that heart condition doesn't care what your ethnic background is. That heart condition doesn't care how much money you have in your pocket. That heart condition doesn't care what your family tree says. That heart condition affects your life in this way. Every judgment we make that originates with us goes through the prism or the lens of sinful flesh. Our ideas, things we think we know and should do and our feelings and our emotions all come through this prism and this lens of sinful flesh. And the thing about sinful flesh is like this. We can feel that we are right and everybody else is wrong. We can be convinced that our way is the best way. Flesh and pride is as seductive as it is destructive. We can be seduced by our own pride. And so, and so every judgment that we make becomes subject to error. Only the judgments of God are 100% true. And so when we begin to engage one another and we start with the words, I think, I want you to understand where that's coming from. I think is going through the prism of every past hurt you've ever had. Every, every wound you suffered. Every prideful moment of ignorant blindness that you've had in your life. I think rose through all of that. And like a little kid playing in mud. I think comes up with some dirt on it. Am I making sense to you today? So, so, so we have this blindness to truth because we tend to take truth through our own experience. And we put it out there for the world to digest. The worst place, in my opinion, 
that we can begin to debate ideas is in cyberspace. We are family of God's people. We cannot allow the enemy to divide us. When we start debating stuff on Instagram and Facebook and Snapchatting and Twitter and all these, these modes of communication, and we have not taken the time to sit down with one another face to face, brother to brother, sister to brother, brother, sister to sister, we have fallen short. See, I'm going to tell you something about the English language. English is one of those languages that when you write something down, People need to know the context of what you're writing to really understand. Sometimes, speaking English, voice inflection makes a difference in what you say. People say, oh, that's coming from the heart. But when I write it, you don't have the benefit of my voice inflection or the passion or the emotion that I feel in this thing. So we need to understand how dangerous that can be. So the Bible tells us this. Endeavor to maintain unity in the bond of peace. Wrapping that unity in peace. The Bible tells us this. So, so we've got to deal with this issue of the things that come from our hearts. So I wanted to talk to you about this kingdom culture, but, but we've got to get that culture first inside. You can't have a kingdom culture in your home or in this church and it's not in your life. So, I'm going to leave you with this today. And some folks going to go tell that pastor didn't preach. (laughs) And I might get fired. (laughs) Matthew 15. Jesus is, is talking. The Pharisees ask him a question. They've got this question all laid out for him. They want to get him straight. They came all the way from Jerusalem to where he was to ask him this question. Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands. When they eat. Why? Your disciples pick up food. They don't use any hand sanitizer. They pick up the bread. 
and just start eating. That's not how we do things. That's not our cultural way. See, Jesus, you need to get your folks in line with the cultural norms of the day. We have to get you told on how to help your disciples conform to us. Watch this now. He says to them, and why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Wait a minute, Jesus. You are flipping the script. So, so you ask me, Jesus says, why my disciples don't wash their hands. I'm saying that the Bible says, or God has spoken, honor your father and your mother. And you go around saying, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God, he doesn't have to honor his father. And what that means is, is that, is that instead of taking care of your parents and their needs, you look at them and you say, well, I gave the money to the church. Whatever I would have had for you is given to God. Oh, doesn't that put you in a high and mighty place? Doesn't that put you in a, in a place where, thank you, in a place where, where you have uh, to, to be looked upon as doing something grand or great. You don't have to honor your mother and father in that case. Jesus says, why do you do that? Verse 7, he says this, you hypocrites. Now understand, the Greek word for hypocrite is the same word used for actor. Or actress, you are pretending to be something you are not. Marlon Brando, far as we know, was not a real godfather. But we thought he was in that movie, didn't we? And so Jesus saying, you're pretending. He said, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said in verse 8, he says, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Saints of God, don't let 930 Sunday morning be a place and a time where all we do is honor him with our lips. Oh, I wish I had somebody here. I know you're mad, but you got to hear this. You come in here on Sunday morning and we all excited about worshiping God and we leave here and all of that honor is lost on how we love our brothers and sisters. People have left Bethel Gary. Because we're struggling in getting past this ethnic thing. I don't care what color you are. 
I don't. Y'all clapping, but I really don't. I could not care less about your color. You know what I'm concerned about? Do you love Jesus in your heart, and do you want to see people saved? Do you want to see this world, this community change with the gospel of Jesus Christ? If there was a such thing as a Martian, and they showed up in here on Sunday morning and said, I want to help lead people to Jesus, come on board. I don't care about that other stuff. too distracting, too consuming. It's the enemy's way of dividing the family of God. We ought to be thanking God that this place can be an example of how people love one another without all this other mess. I didn't sleep good last night. Here's what the disciples asked him. Jesus said, your, your heart's far and in vain. Do they worship me teaching doctrines, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men? Don't ever raise human ideas to a godly standard because our best ideas fall way short to the Word of God. And I don't care if those ideas are about history, government, politics, or any such thing, they are never going to be on the same level as the Word of God. Never. And I like this 12th verse in Matthew 15 because it says this. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard what you said. (laughs) I can imagine the look on Jesus' face when he heard that. I can imagine in his heart he was thinking, Don't you know that everything I'm speaking is the word of God? And some people are just going to be offended by God's word. As a matter of fact, there's not one believer in here that at some point in your life, maybe even right now, is offended by the word of God. Because God's word cuts through all the other stuff and goes right to your heart. 
God's word makes you look at yourself in a way that we're not comfortable looking at ourselves. And so Jesus says this, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter says, explain this parable. And Jesus says this, are you still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? Some of us need to understand that the same thing works with your ears. Some stuff goes in your ears and it just passes through and you ought to let it do that. He says, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and that is what defiles a person. You are not defiled by what somebody says about you. But you can be defiled by what you say about somebody else. Are you getting that? It's what comes out of our mouths that defiles us because it speaks to the condition of our heart. Jesus finishes with this thought. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. He is running a list of sin, sinful acts. And they start in our heart. You can just put racism on that list. But that's not the only one. You can put lying on that list too. You can put cheating on your taxes on that list. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Stop worrying about what somebody said or did or looking at the rapper you came in. Every person in this room is created in the image of the almighty God. You want to know what God looked like? Look at your neighbor right now. Just look at him. That's, that's what God looks like. That's the, that's the image of the almighty God. Bethel Gary, it's time to quit playing. Some of us been on this joy ride for two and a half years. It was a novelty. I go to a church with black and white and brown. and How wonderful. Look at God's people all together. And we think, oh, that's so joyful. And we tell our friends, yes, and it's located in 
downtown Gary. I come from Maryville, Hammond, East Chicago, Crown Point, Lowell, Hebron, all these places. And I come downtown Gary and I worship with some wonderful people. It's time to quit playing. Now, what do I mean? What do I mean? I want you to get this. Because if you're here just to worship on Sunday morning and say this is nice, then you need to understand and reevaluate why you're not here for the work that goes along with this. We should not have to be thinking about shutting down our Wednesday night kids ministry because we don't have enough volunteers. And it's 120 adults that come here every Sunday morning on average. You mean tell me you can't serve anywhere? Oh, see, I knew there wasn't going to be no claps on that one. (laughs) We got to get past the novelty. The honeymoon is over. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't have honeymoon-like things keep going, amen? But this whole idea of us being new and all this, that we have to get beyond and get to the real work of the ministry. There are people in the street dying without Jesus, and we're fighting and arguing over stupid stuff. Not one of us got in line before our birth and said, put me in the white line. Put me in the black line. Put me in the brown line. None of us did that. We were born the way God intended for us to be born. Y'all know I don't normally do this. I'm going to go back next week to being really nice Lovable Pastor Ray. But I want you to understand this. I am so incredibly serious that 2017 is not going to be like 2016 around this camp. We are going to have to roll up our sleeves and get busy in the Lord's work. Whatever little light you have, you need to let it shine for Jesus. You ought to be knocking down our doors saying, what can I do to help promote the kingdom of God through the ministry of Bethel Gary? You ought to be saying, I'm willing to lay aside everything else. I'm going to have to take some lumps. I know that. I'm going to have to take some, some, some blows. I know that. But through the grace of God, I'm going to do my best to love everybody. Because around here, it's going to be important that we walk together. We build relationships. One of the core values of our campus is to be highly relational. And some of us leave out of here on Sunday. We see people every Sunday. We don't even speak. 
Some of us still going around here talking about, well, they and well, they and they. Knock it off. Stop it. It's the enemy that's trying to destroy unity. So if you believe in the power of God's grace and mercy and the power of his love to transform lives, what I want to do right now is call us to prayer. I want us to pray. I want us to think deeply in our hearts about whether my heart is right. Not just towards my brothers and sisters that that don't look like me. I'm talking about, is my heart right to Jesus? Is my heart right towards God? Am I asking God to do things for me and I'm not willing to sacrifice anything? Too few people in this campus are doing too much work. See, you you don't hear the frustration. I get the phone call. I get the email. I get the tears in people's eyes and their voices quivering because they, they're hurting. They're trying to do everything they can, working themselves to the bone. And I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not telling you this to make you mad. If you get mad, forgive me. I love you. But I'm telling you this because we have a job to do. And God has called us to do it. And I hope you will come along with that journey. It's going to be beautiful. So I'm going to ask you, to everybody up, come up here to the front right now. Just gather around the front. We want to, and I want you to get close to one another. Because Satan is trying to do something that we have to stop him from doing and there's a certain kind of faith that you're going to need to have that's only going to come through prayer and fasting you see Jesus asking do you want the kind of faith that can say to that mountain be removed into the midst of the sea to your problems, to your circumstances. Where's your heart? Come on, get a little closer. Let these, yeah, that's it, that's it. Look at the beauty. Just turn around. Just look at the beauty. Just turn your head. Look. Look at the beauty of God's unity. This is how we ought to be. So let me be. This is how we ought to be. A follower of Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven.